Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ETB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. This week, we're joined by writer and Magic of Bollywood founder Suchin Mehrotra to discuss a pair of black comedies. First up, Saif Ali Khan becomes entangled in the affairs of a dysfunctional Parsi family in Homie Adajania's Being Cyrus from 2006. Then, Imran Khan... Kunal Roy Kapoor and Veer Das get in over their heads when they unwittingly aggravate a ruthless gangster in Abine Deo's Deli Belly from 2011. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. Welcome, Suchin! Thanks, guys. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be on the show. We are so excited to have you. We've been talking on Twitter for a while. We've been talking about this episode for a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's great that it's a Sunday morning here for us in Edmonton and you you are in London. It's it's the afternoon for you, but it's great that we can finally connect. Yeah, definitely. Long overdue for sure. How's the how's the weather in London today? Um, it looks sunny, but it's colder than hell. But I guess I can't say that to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know what cold really means. Here, it's just a bit more inconvenient than, than anything else. I'm sure. Well, tr we know the true meaning of cold. It's, it's maybe yeah. like 10 below here, so I don't know. It's not terrible, actually, today. Yeah, it's yeah. it's doable. Yeah, it's about five, and it's just annoying. But yeah. <laughs> I can't complain too much, I guess. That's sweater weather. It's fine. <laughs> um, so you started a website called uh, Magic of Bollywood. Do you think you could tell us a little bit about how that came about? Uh, yeah, sure. So I... Uh, so just like any of us, you know, I was a big movie guy, especially Bollywood and Indian cinema. And so I, I literally one day just felt that I really wanted to do something more than just watch these things. You know, you just you have this desperate need to share your opinion with the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so We're I aware, started yeah. writing. The weird sense of self-importance. You're like, no, people deserve to know what I think. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so, yeah, I literally just started writing reviews. Um, and I was following a lot of sort of Indian critics at the time and sort of that sort of encouraged me to uh, do that. And so I just started this small blog. Um, and then over time, we sort of gave it a lot more attention, made it, to, you know, invest in making it a full website. We started sort of covering film festivals here in London at the Asian film festivals and regularly reviewing Bollywood films. And then after a certain point, there was no looking back. And uh, I basically went into doing that and freelance, freelancing full time um, nice. for a bunch of websites, just writing about movies. Who were your sort of uh, critical forebears that you really um, like appreciate their their uh, their ideas? Who, who's your who's your guys? Uh, fair enough. Uh, so I think uh, this is the very cliched, obvious answer, but I think Ebert is pretty much <laughs> the go-to guy for so many people. Yeah. But specifically to Indian cinema, for me it was uh, Anupama Chopra, who's probably one of the most popular critics. Yeah. Um, in India, and just sort of she used to put on these TV shows and things when everyone's talking about gossip and glamour. You know, she would talk about the movies. She mm -hmm. had a show called The Front Row, and it was all about the movies and actors talking about their process and things like that. And we didn't get that anywhere else, mm. especially for Bollywood, where it's all about endorsements and whatnot. Uh, so I think, yeah, she was the one who really, you know, made you think that there's more to this than what everyone else would have you believe. Um, and I was like, I, I really need to share my opinions as well. So that's that's pretty much what I'd say. But I think now more than ever, there's a lot of really exciting critics uh, in India, and that's that's increasing over time. Nice. Yeah, uh, Chopra is uh, fantastic. We always read her stuff whenever we're watching kind of a newer film, just to mm -hmm. get acclimatized. And she's really good at setting the scene with the movie against other movies in the same genre or with the same actors and stuff. Like, good at like kind of setting the table, right? Mm -hmm. And now she's doing a lot of video reviews on YouTube, which are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's because nobody reads anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. anyone podcasting or YouTubing, you're, you're winning the game. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, I think she's stuck somewhere between being a critic and a reviewer because ideally, you know, she has to balance the fact that there are people out there who just want a snapshot, yes, no, but at yeah. the same time, mm -hmm. she discuss the film. And I think she does. She balances that really well. She kind of reminds me of uh, Michiko Kakutani at the uh, New York Times for the um, book review, just kind of having to yeah balance, is this good or not, with a more broad view of the industry and uh, trends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, and isn't that like, the big crisis right now in film criticism because of Rotten Tomatoes. Everything is every review yeah. is judged on you know either it's fresh or it's rotten. So it's a, it's a pass fail, mm -hmm. and then it, it produces these percentages 
that, you know, some people will say filmgoers use to decide whether or not to go see a film. I'm not entirely sure if filmgoers actually look at Rotten Tomatoes. I think just yeah. when a movie gets a bad Rotten Tomato score and then bombs, filmmakers like to complain about it. But it's just kind of led to this um, this atmosphere of film criticism that is is very is very thin, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, the perspective that, again, a, a critic is there to tell you whether or not you should go see the film, which I think we as critics know that's not what critics do. <laughs> not at all. I, I do uh, think that Ebert and uh, um, Roger and Ebert and uh, Cisco were a little bit ahead on that, though, with the thumbs yeah. up, thumbs down thing. It's just that that got turned into the only barometer, mm-hmm. whereas they did have reviews and they'd talk through movies, but that thumbs up, thumbs down thing just definitely, that's what people took from it. You know, it was it was a good gimmick for the show and for that kind of, that style of criticism that they brought forth in that TV show of two intelligent critics having a discussion and having an argument, mm-hmm. but you can't just reduce what either of them said to that thumbs up, thumbs down, because yeah. there was so much more substance to to both of their um, opinions on that show than than that. But I think you're right. That's kind of where it really started to, the dilution really started. I was just going to say that it's just really interesting that uh, Ebert sort of inspired so many people to become critics. But at the same time, ironically, he kind of, because of the thumbs up, thumbs down, he kind of started the, the five-star review, uh, mm-hmm. yes, no culture. Yeah. So it was like a double-edged sword to an extent. But like mm-hmm. you said, ideally... You know, most critics have to do this where they give you some sort of rating. But, you know, if you care enough, then you listen to what they have to say beyond that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just want that. Yes, no, because they're, they're not interested. But the rest of us, we give movies way too much importance. <laughs> so we have mm-hmm. to read up on them as well. Oh, and I think your reviews are quite good on that front, too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I try. Well, and I mean, one of the things I've noticed is uh, you don't jump on the bandwagon, and I'm I'm specifically thinking of Badranath Ki Dalhania, which is a movie that oh, all three enough. of us appreciate, and yeah. it just there was such, just such negativity towards it online that you no one was. I didn't feel like cutting through the noise to say, you know, maybe there might be something valid here. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciated that that you were one of those people because I also really like the film mm-hmm. and and kind of didn't really see, and I still don't really see some of the negative arguments and, that people are, are making about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, all we can really do as reviewers, the only yeah. qualification is you have to be honest. Mm-hmm. So if you love the thing everyone hates, Say it. That's literally what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, with that film specifically, most people just said another stalking film. Screw this. Whereas yeah. um, for me, it, it was a movie about stalking. He knew it was about. It was making a case. It wasn't just toxic masculinity. It was exploring toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. breaking it down, mm-hmm. saying let's look at one of these guys, look at their story, and and uh, and making a case that maybe they could change. Mm-hmm. Which which you might disagree with, but it's starting a conversation. Um, whereas most people are like, nope, that's it. Bad Bollywood from the 80s, put it away. Yeah. Uh, so I wish people gave it more of a chance. I'm glad to know you guys uh, liked it as well. Yeah, it was a bit more nuanced than I think people gave it credit for. Yeah. 100%. And I think sometimes, I, I notice this especially with Bollywood criticism. I mean, I'm certainly not trying to call anyone out or throw anyone under the bus, but sometimes people see uh, certain things portrayed in Bollywood films as endorsement mm-hmm. for those yeah. things, which I think is unfair often to the film and the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be able yeah. to explore topics that are not what everyone agrees upon and not be, you know, uh, pilloried for it. Mm-hmm. You should be able to make that... a movie about anything and then people can make up their own decisions. Yeah. But just because it's on just because it's on a screen doesn't necessarily mean that we all think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Which is definitely the feeling I got. I mean, when I was watching that film. I just I got a feeling of the filmmaker and I, I really felt that he wasn't he was someone just trying to say, you know, let's look at their perspective. Let's. Let's really go into what makes these guys. Yeah. I don't think he was justifying anything. No. Um, I guess the best example of what you just said is Padmavati with the whole mm-hmm. endorsement at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably the go-to example there. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think with Badrinath Kirohani, I think the marketing might be somewhat to blame because they pitched it as, oh, here's your here's your faves from uh, Hapti Sharma Kirohania back in another adventure. And then like, oh, it's a much different sort of story than what we had there. Uh <laughs> but that's what I loved about it. It was mm-hmm. the same karma machinery we've all seen, you know, the glossy entertainment song and dance. But 
let's pump that into like a worthwhile story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that you draw people in saying this is everything you want from the kinds of films we've normally made, but let's give you something more. And I just thought if this is what mainstream movies are today, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also everyone forgot that, you know, uh, Varun Dwan was super good in uh, Badlapur. And, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's very, he could, he could definitely play a negative character, even though he's usually a romantic lead that you're supposed to like. Not always. Yeah. So Suchin, I'm curious on if you've seen an increase in global appreciation of Bollywood. So, you know, by having a, a website, you're able to connect with film watchers all over the world. And obviously, you know, we are talking, we are in Canada and you're in India and, and England. And so I'm curious if you're noticing kind of a, an increase in uh, global interest in Bollywood. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think definitely uh, people are definitely taking notice. It's um, things like I think Bahubali is an amazing example of mm-hmm. something that's really crushing down barriers. Even Padmavati did really well making people who aren't sort of who don't aren't familiar with Indian films to really take notice. I think the big issue is in, if you look at uh, how far the releases are, how many people are watching them, that's probably getting better. The issue is the people who have never seen Indian films who aren't familiar with them. It's the perception and expectation. Um, I've seen this. It's even the same as with Asian uh, populations outside India. You know, they they just believe that it's it's everything that we've seen sort of 20 years ago. People dancing behind trees. They're still yeah. there. Uh, so there is more of an uptake. But the fact is, you know, biggest film industry in the world. If you look at India overall, we make some bad stuff, some amazing stuff, some average stuff. But, you know, it's everything. And people just, they're just stuck behind that one, you know, uh, sort of view of it. But I think it is changing. And I think, like, people like you are really helping that, making people sort of be like, look, there is much more to this. Um, So, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. I'm very positive about this stuff. So hopefully over time, you know, we will make our mark. Yeah, it was a prior guest, Ellen Mott, who kind of theorized that, the advent of digital distribution helped out India more than any other film nation because the fact that you're not waiting for prints to go around, mm-hmm. that you can have everything yeah. day and date. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but the the releases, um, the way that the films are released across the world is enviable to any sort of like indie filmmaker mm. in the in the West. Like... Day and date, every city in North America, at least one theater, will be showing the big new Hindi film, if not also the Tamil film, the Punjabi film, the Malayalam film. Like, the the infrastructure is there, and it didn't even need to get, you know, reviews and things. They're just there. And it's because the people are there. They're interested in watching them. But um, now it's just kind of, yeah, you have to break free from the preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, uh, um, I guess... The film that probably most exemplifies recent Indian films uh, in the public imagination in the West, I would say, would be Slumdog Millionaire. Do you think that that was a a boon or a detriment? Uh, That's a tough one. Uh, I think, again, that it probably put Indian films on the map in some way. But the fact is Slumdog Millionaire is a British film. It's a British production, Mm -hmm. uh, which obviously a lot of people don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I guess it maybe made people pay more attention that the Indian films can be good, but at the same time, people also, you know, use the poverty born angle mm-hmm. as well, saying that that's what it did. So I don't know. I mean, maybe there was like a trickle down effect, but um, I think the other points you made probably had a much bigger effect. Things like Netflix, I think is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, reviews as well, you know, even though they largely ignored a lot more Western publications um, are taking notice of Indian films and reviewing them. Um, but yeah, Slumdog, I, I, I would say that it, it maybe made people take more notice, but not as much as most people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that um, still to this day, when we see India portrayed in mainstream media here in the West, and so I'm thinking even of the recent film Lion, mm-hmm. uh, which also starred Dev Patel. It's always Dev Patel. It's um, always Dev <laughs> <laughs> um, But even kind of in The Best Exotic Married to Gold Hotel, which again, Dev Patel, Dev Patel. Uh, India is always shown to be a rather poor country, mm-hmm. um, which reflects some of the reality of the country. We obviously haven't been there, as we've mentioned before, but not, not it's not the whole picture. And so I, I still think that here in the West, people have a certain um, maybe false perspective or understanding of what Indian media uh, is. 
mm-hmm. or could be like. And, you know, one of the most common things that people tell me after I show them a Bollywood movie is they weren't expecting everyone to be dressed uh, kind of modern. They weren't expecting people to like be wearing Western style clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone looks really rich. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, 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 yeah, like, you know, they they want that sense of of escapism too, you know, they don't want to make movies, you know, like these these, these poverty porn films uh, that, you know, that Slumdog Millionaire has been accused of, which is not to say that, you know, Indian cinema doesn't also make movies about those that well, it's are like saying that economically it, challenged, but it's just, it's not all that. It's like if Winter's yeah. Bone was just held up as like, oh, here's <laughs> what every movie in the States is like. They all live in trailer parks. It's not going too well. Everyone's on drugs. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can't, you can't just um, uh, take one specific mode of filmmaking and say, oh, there's the whole country. Um, honestly, the more the most Hindi films that we see are probably more towards the super rich people <laughs> angle yeah. than anything else. Yeah, or Some cops. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think that's a really good point. It's because perception of India versus perception of Bollywood and how they sort of influence each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically, if you probably watch more movies, you tend to get a better sense of what the country is, yeah. which is pretty much everything you can think of. It's just so much all at once. Um, and, and just what you were saying about the poverty porn, um, that's another big debate people have about why there is no Indian film nominated at the Oscars. Mm. And the only times they were, it's only when it's something about poor people, because that's that's kind of what people say. That's what the Academy expects. So that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Or other times they say that, no, they want the big grand musicals like that. They want a Lagan, that kind of the typical formulaic film, not, not formulaic, but that's the Indian grammar of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's another barrier. That they just think that this is what our movie is, and when we try and make anything different, is it taken as seriously or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Newton's an interesting, uh, interesting choice, right? Because uh, he himself is just coming from a cosmopolitan city, but then he's going to this super backwoods part of the the world. So it is showing both aspects of India, and I wonder if maybe that it wasn't leaning either towards one or the other for the. Uh, um, final picking, right? Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed that Newton can, didn't get the nomination. I knew it was a long shot because I understand how these things work, but but still, like yeah, it would it, be cool. It, it was a good movie. It was a it was a great movie, and I think potentially it's one that could connect with with Western audiences. But yeah, you know. I thought it was a great movie. But uh, one of the criticisms I heard about why it didn't get picked up more uh, for the Oscars is because somebody said that. Um, it's just another indie film. It's very familiar territory, not in terms of the story, but mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, it's, it's it's exactly the kind of festival film you'd expect to see from any country. Yeah. Um, is what people said is one of the reasons it, it mm. you know, didn't do better. One of the biggest missed opportunities that's considered historically is the lunchbox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because people firmly believe we could have taken that, um, yeah. which, which I think is a wasted opportunity, unfortunately. And I, I've seen The Good Road. It's okay. Like, it's... Yeah. I, I really don't understand what they were thinking there. The lunchbox really is great. don't understand. Everyone can enjoy the lunchbox. Yeah. As long as and you it, eat food. If you're a food eater, <laughs> <laughs> there's something to find that you'll enjoy. If you like food to connect with human beings, that's yeah. literally the prerequisite. Yeah. Um, but Matt, to but, a point yeah. that you were saying... Um, about how digital distribution um, has really benefited Indian cinema. At the same time, here in Canada, we're still only getting, for the most part in theaters, our big major releases. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry. Here in Canada, for the most part, we're still only getting the big major releases. So we'll get Padmavat and... We got Welcome to New York for some reason. Um, but we didn't get the, the latest Saif Ali Khan, which you wanted to talk about, which yeah. unfortunately we didn't get here. So we're still waiting for it to come out on streaming or on, on DVD to catch up with. What Was it any good? So I that was Kala Kandi. And obviously we're going to talk about Delhi Belly today. And it's from the same writer mm-hmm. who wrote and directed this one. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was in the same vein as Delhi Belly, that same sort of, sort of crazy comedy but it was much more grounded as well and it was very much a Bombay film as, as people say it's you know very much about the city and, and, and its characters I thoroughly enjoyed it um, it almost I, I think the reason it didn't release there is because Seth's films have not been doing well recently at all and so there was yeah. they almost dumped it on Netflix and didn't release it yeah um, but but then finally they managed to so um, but I, I, I'm a, I thoroughly enjoyed it I mean uh, I think Delhi Berlin no film has ever come close to it since and hmm. this was very much in the same vein because it's the same guy who 
uh, behind it. And it's not as good as that film, but it was definitely the same sort of humor. Seth was fantastic in it, and I, I was I was a big fan of the film. Yeah. Well, given his association with Netflix now with uh, Sacred Games, hopefully yeah. they pull some of his back catalog in to bring along with it when it comes out. So hopefully we can catch it then. Yeah, we're planning on catching up with it once we get the chance. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes we hear about these, you know, these really interesting but smaller films and we have to wait a while to see them like parched or mm-hmm. um, trapped. Trapped and Trap Phobia. Never, yeah, Trapped never had a release yeah. here. We had to watch that on Amazon Prime. Um, terrible yeah. service. That being said, <laughs> we got lipstick under my burqa before yeah. <laughs> they got it in India. So we, we do, you know, have a, a festival here in town that, that does uh, get some great movies. But unfortunately, also, you know, we're sometimes waiting for some of these some of these films, some of the, the Hindi films that are potentially a bit edgier, I yeah. guess. So, but we do like the great big wedding films as well. <laughs> we all do, but ironically, those smaller films are more often going to be the best films of the year, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. a lipstick or a Newton or a trap. So, hopefully, that changes, um, and you know, everyone can see everything. Well, <laughs> Am- yeah. Amazon is buying up all these, uh, you know, movies. So it, it seems like the the big digital players at least know, like, okay, we can get some good content here. So it yeah. it would just be nice to see it on the big screen. Hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent. But I think they. They value sort of the you know people that the films that do well on the festival circuit, the critical acclaim, as well as the big sort of uh, wedding films as you call them. But um, where distributors they don't you know like that's yeah. not that's not what they're interested in. So so yeah, as you said, hopefully the digital players really fill that gap and there's, there's no more issues of films being missed. So this week we're talking about uh, two black comedy films. Uh, do you find that Hindi cinema is good at making black comedies? Uh, I not at all. I, when I say good, if you refer to frequency, it's 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 a very rare thing. I think we have a big issue currently with comedy overall. Um, and in terms of just making worthwhile comedy films, I literally see maybe one attempt or two attempts every year. Um, so forget black comedies, which is again a further subset. So unfortunately, I wish I could say yes, but they seem to be very rare. I'm still not quite understanding why. Uh, I'm guessing it must be a censorship thing, which is. Especially yeah. the kind of films we're going to watch. That, sorry, talk about today. I mean, you can see why if that sort of stuff was made today, people would raise issues. So, because comedy is really sort of comes hand in hand with pushing the envelope and pushing boundaries, and that's that's not really what the dominant culture is right now in, in Bollywood. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> Delhi Belly especially. Like, damn, uh, I'm yeah. impressed by the stuff they got away with in that movie. Um, so we all. <laughs> and it must have been just a different regime at the uh, censor board then, huh? Not at all. It, it made a lot of waves when it came out. Uh, obviously, they had a much easier time because they got released, which meant that somebody was okay. But when it came out, there were a lot of issues because, you know, of, of all, all the swear words and the scenes and all thing, everything like that. But obviously, it was backed by Amir Khan, which really helped. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where you would think that if a film broke boundaries, um, a lot of films would follow suit. But I think the way it works here more often is you get one film that out of nowhere does things no one's done before. And then you don't see anything like it for 10 years, which is not great. But unfortunately, that's, that was the case. When I was, when we're watching Being Cyrus, I mean, we can just get into talking about them. But Being Cyrus reminded me of nothing more than a British comedy, like almost like an Ealing Studios or um, just kind of one of those 90s, dark, dark British comedies. And I'm wondering if yeah. the... the kind, sto- kind of a Shallow Grave vibe. Yeah, Shallow Grave or... Um, well, Deli Belly reminded me a lot of Lock Stock, too. Mm. So, yeah. um, do you think that the historical association, to put it lightly, between England and India has anything to do with the sense of humor? Uh, I don't know about that. I think more than anything, we have so many filmmakers um, in India who want to make the kinds of films that we see abroad, who, who watch these films, these British comedies, because everyone wants to try and infuse that into Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the aim, that's the attempt, anyway. Um, so I think because that's why the new generation of filmmakers are so exciting because they're brought up on the same stuff we love. You know, when we say Hollywood's doing great stuff, they know it, they're influenced by it, they want to bring it in. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably more to do with that, that you have these filmmakers who who grow up on these other films as well, and they want to bring some sense of that back into the industry. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Comedy has been one of the most challenging genres for us in appreciating Bollywood and kind of coming at it as outsiders, partly because... 
a lot of the comedy in Hindi films is is kind of related to language and is very punny, yep. and it's hard to translate that. Yeah. And also, I think because a lot of the comedy is very, very broad, and I already don't have like the best sense of humor. Like, I don't like a lot of American comedies either. Um, I like a lot of British comedies, but already, like, I can be a bit of a stick in the mud. So it's just been really difficult for us to to kind of appreciate some of these um, these kind of these these crowd pleasers that you know everyone says they love, and and then we watch, and I'm kind of like. I don't really get Johnny Lever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, so these were certainly a breath of fresh air, and I think really interesting and a lot, um, a lot different um, than what we than what we typically see in in a Bollywood comedy. It's no hum shackles, that's for sure. <laughs> we agreed to never talk about hum shackles. <laughs> I, I love Saifali Khan, but I can't. I can't. <laughs> everybody agreed never to talk about Hamshakal. <laughs> like, you know what? That's like a universal law at this point. All right. Well, I guess I... Why, why, ex- why are you doing this, Matt? I'll leave now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the filmmakers, the, the actors, like, it's, it's pretty much a we don't go there kind of topic. It's like yeah. the day the clown cried, but for uh, Saifali Khan. But, but interestingly, both of these films are in English. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I had kind of assumed Delhi Belly was in, in Hindi, and I was I was wrong about that. Um, so there's my correction from our, our last episode when I said it was going to be in Hindi. And I was curious if the the language, because they were in English, was connecting with us more. But I think it's just that they're better films. <laughs> I, I definitely think they're better films. But I actually kept thinking about you guys because I I rewatched them both recently for this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could literally rename this episode sort of English Bollywood films because <laughs> these are. Two of the rare examples. Yeah. Uh, and because, Finding I mean, Fanny, which I also really like. Again, from the same filmmaker yeah. as, as being Cyrus. But uh, I really like Finding Fanny. But um, yeah, because you guys, I know that, you know, you have to rely on subtitles and what you were just saying about comedies being really rooted into puns and things. Whereas here, you literally have two great examples of, of people trying to make English films. There's a lot of debate about this because, partly because the audience isn't used to Indian films being made in English, and at the same time, because filmmakers aren't used to making uh, English Bollywood films, that there is a bit of an awkwardness. There's a bit of a, you know, it feels weird, and even when they're making it, it, it doesn't come naturally to them. Mm-hmm. So there are instances where you, I think it is quite uh, apparent that, you know, this is very much new territory. But I think with these two films, specifically being Cyrus, I think it was pulled off very naturally. Mm-hmm. I think Homi Ajani is really great at doing that. Um, so I, I didn't feel that as much. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I do think they were both great, great films. Mm-hmm. Delhi Belly was Pathbreaker, Being Cyrus was very unique. I mean, mm-hmm. even to today, we haven't seen anything like it since. Yeah. I, I didn't get the sense that these were translated from Hindi to English, too. Like sometimes when people in well, another... Well, they write scripts in English and translate them into Hindi. Yeah. But like sometimes you get, like even, even with like a UK person trying to write American or mm. that kind of thing, you do get this sort of sense that... Yeah, this is definitely not the dialect that they are fluent in. But these ones, it it didn't feel like England. It didn't feel like the States. It just felt like India, but in English, which was really hard to pull off, I figure. And as I always remind people, English is one of the official languages in India. They do, like, obviously, Sujin, uh, you can speak to this more than I can. But, you know, it you hear English in, in Indian media all the time. And, you know, newspapers are written in English and Kabut Quran is is in English. And so I don't know where I'm going with this just so much as sometimes I, I think people are surprised by even in a Bollywood film, how much English is in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I get the impression that people speak English in India. A hundred percent. And <laughs> to your point earlier about, uh, you know, how most of our films are tailored towards sort of more affluent people. Um, it's, it's, I'd say the majority of Bollywood films are very inauthentic because the people they're made about, they all speak in English. Any any of your dharma films, uh, you know, those people in real life, they speak English. Mm-hmm. Whereas just for the sake of, of Bollywood, they're just made into Hindi. So mm-hmm. it's not reflective of real life yeah. whatsoever. Uh, obviously, your smaller town films would probably be a different deal. But um, so, yeah, it's interesting that when we make films in English, it feels almost inauthentic. <laughs> but the fact that we're making them in, in Hindi anyway is isn't exactly accurate either. So it's, it's a weird one. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to interval. Yeah. Uh, and afterwards, we can get into discussing a bit more in detail uh, our two films. Uh, we're going to be playing a song sample. What are we hearing, Matt? 
We're going to be playing the wonderful song <laughs> from Deli Belly, I Hate You Like I Love You. In brackets. In brackets. Like I Love You. <laughs> In brackets. Very important. Yeah. Okay, so that we'll play that, and we'll be back with Suchin after this. Yeah! I hate you like I love you. I hate you like I love you, love you, love you. I hate you like I love you. I hate you like I love you, love you, love you. Like the characters in both of our films this week, Being Cyrus and Deli Belly, you're interested in making a lot of money, fast. Luckily for you, ATB has a much less dangerous way of making some cash, the no-fee all-in digital bank account. As long as you do your banking digitally, there are basically no fees, and you also earn interest on higher balances. Check out the no-fee all-in bank account at ATB.com. In Deli Belly... Imran Khan receives a small red car as an engagement gift from his father-in-law-to-be. However, by the end of the film, the car has been put through the ringer, and he once again joins the pedestrian ranks. But take it from me, a dedicated pedestrian, walking everywhere has its perks. Or you could ask journalist and urbanist Tim Querengesser, host of The Walkcast on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The Walkcast talks about walkability in cities by walking it. Each episode takes experts and people passionate about cities out on a walk to talk about what's working as they do so, what isn't, and what needs to change. To find out more about the WalkCast and the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB and the member podcasts, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. So that was I Hate You Like I Love You in brackets <laughs> from Deli Belly. Uh, but before we get to Deli Belly, we are talking about being Cyrus. And came out in 2006 was the feature debut from Homi Adajania, uh, who's a director that I quite like. Uh, he's done two other films, Cocktail with Saif Ali Khan and Topeka Padukone, uh, which I absolutely adore, and Finding Fanny, which we mentioned is another film in English, also also features Topeka Padukone, which I think is is re really great. I, mm -hmm. I really like. It has the greatest cameo from Ranveer Singh. Yeah, <laughs> it's. So good. And one of the yeah. best performances from Arjun Kapoor. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, who, you know, has kind of, I don't know what. It seems to be getting was. worse with dying, which is weird. Right? <laughs> what is happening? Exactly. No idea. Uh, but Being Cyrus stars uh, oh, a fantastic cast. Saif Ali Khan, Narazuddin Shah, Dimple Kapadia, Boman Arani, and Simona Singh. It's about a Parsi family, the Setnas. Saif Ali Khan plays kind of like a a drifter. Well, he's he's like a talented Mr. Ripley type, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he comes into the life of the Setnas. Um, so Narazuddin Shah and Dimple Kapadia are uh, married, and they kind of live out in the country where he makes uh, clay sculpture things. And he just smokes weed all the time. He's an artist, yeah. He's smoking weed all the time. Yeah. And Bowman Arani <laughs> and Simone Singh um, are, are in the in the city. They're in Mumbai, and they're essentially abusing uh, the patriarchy of the family. The patriarchy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the patriarchy. And they're essentially. I Sorry. So I was going to say, I wish they were abusing the patriarchy, but yeah, it's the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yes. Um, abusing the patriarch. Uh, so Saif Ali Khan kind of infiltrates this family and under the kind of, uh, direction of Dimple Kapadia starts, you know, mm, causing waves and inflicting a lot of violence. Mm -hmm. Um, the film is, is, is very dark, but it's also pretty funny mm -hmm. yeah. uh, especially all the stuff with uh with Kapadia and Narazuddin Shah uh which I just thought was hilarious I love Narazuddin Shah and here I think he's really really funny he's always high and kind of like just confused missing his shoes he went down a well to go get something yeah, yeah. um and I, I think that about generally sets it out do you think I'm missing anything in the plot details I don't want to give too much away because it's yeah. a bit it's a bit twisty yeah it when I was thinking Ealing Studios, I'm pretty sure this is one we could check after, but it reminded me of uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets as well, mm. another English murder mm -hmm. um, comedy. And I would say that this one had an especially interesting visual style. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was very, <clears throat> uh, 
I hesitate to say, but it was very realistic seeming. It was like decrepit old mansions out in the country and then kind of a little bit more, um, maybe dirtier streets. It, it didn't seem sanitized whatsoever. It seemed like everything must have been on location. Mm -hmm. And um, the the uglier side of humanity was re rearing its head, especially uh, uh, Irani and uh, Singh abusing their uh, father. So it it sets up a bunch of jerks who you want to die, and then they do. So <laughs> it's satisfying. <laughs> That's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I, I think visually, it, he really did a great job of establishing the mood. It's really eerie, but then like surprisingly funny when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. um, I think you did a great job of describing the plot. I remember <laughs> thinking when I was watching it, uh, if I had to review this film today, I don't know how I would like talk about what happens because it's very difficult. You don't give away too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he did a really good job of of really establishing that sort of that really creepy but weirdly funny mood. And balancing that. Yeah, it's, um, I would say uh, Saif Ali Khan's character is kind of a tough nut to crack. He's one of those sociopath type guys you see in movies who just infiltrates social situations. But when you see him on his own, he doesn't really have much of a personality. So it's a kind of a balancing act to have an actor do that, I think. Yeah, you only really get a sense of kind of his internal life with these dream sequences mm -hmm. which i think could yeah. potentially come off as a uh, cliched or like a little pretentious a little pretentious or arty for the sake yeah. of arty but i actually think work partly because they're so funny so it almost seems like he's kind of making a, a making a parody of those kinds of scenes in other films yeah but it's not again it's not broad like it it, it works within the the kind of the mood and the aesthetics that the film establishes. This is also the sort of thing a guy like that would have. Like, it's what, <laughs> what would Patrick Bateman's dreams be like? You know, it's, yeah. it's that kind of uh, trying to, you know, get into that mind that you don't really want to be in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think Andrew Mr. Ripley is a good comparison. He's that very charming, very likable, very affable, and then you know nothing about him for the first sort of ninety percent of the film, and in the last ten percent, like it all sort of falls into place, mm -hmm. and. In terms of how self-indulgent the, the dream sequences are, I, I, I agree to an extent, but I think just because this film has had such a short runtime, it was an hour, 20 minutes, which is mm -hmm. unheard of for Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> like, even the smallest gripes I have with it, I just can't, you know, they weren't that bad purely because it was so efficient and everything just kept moving. Um, mm -hmm. It just, yeah, it felt too short, <laughs> almost like, you know, how you're breaking the rules of Bollywood. Like, this is, this is, this is yeah, it was too crisp. But it, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, I we, liked the 80-minute runtime. Oh, I, yeah. was, I was pretty stoked about an 80-minute runtime. Well, we, we watched both of these in one sitting, too, so it was nice. Like, oh, man, we can get through this pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if if they were going to expand it, you'd have, like, half an hour at uh, uh, Arani's wedding, and you'd see a bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes there. Mm -hmm. And I guess, yeah, that's probably the thing they talked about the least. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you'd see young Naziruddin Shah and why people like his art or something, but you don't need to. He's just... He was a famous artist, and now he's not. His stuff was on the cover of Time magazine. What more do you need? You get all of that in the voiceover narration. And Matt, you love a voiceover narration. <laughs> I do. I do. I Any movie with a voiceover narrator, I probably like like 5% more. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's, it's like having a story read to you. I, I always like that. So I was going to say most writers, uh, writers, writers really hate it. Because yeah. for them, they, they say it's the laziest narrative technique or whatever. Yeah. But I think it depends on the situation. Sometimes it works fantastic. And it works... uh, in, this, in this case, it was great. Exactly, and it works here so well, partly because this does have a bit of a of a hard boiled feel to it. It is a bit, it it has a bit of a noir story. Mm -hmm. And the thing with a voiceover narrator is that it instantly adds dramatic irony and tension because you don't know if they're lying to you or not. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And it's 100%. it's like just right there. Mm -hmm. So it, instantly, the narrative is complicated. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm also curious, Matt, if you uh, figured out the twist. Matt is famous for always figuring out the twist. And Before I figured it out, but I don't know if you did. I didn't actually figure the twist out in this <gasps> yes. one, no. You you figured out. We're not going to say, but uh, there is, there's more going on here than it seems. And I think the thing that I hate is you are so bold. You will call a twist, like, really early on. Uh, and then I'm always shocked when you're right. Whereas I... <sighs> I thought I knew I thought I knew the twist pretty early, mm -hmm. you know, maybe about a half an hour in, and I didn't say it until like right before it was revealed. I was like, I should have called it earlier. I knew it. But 
Like, so I never get those brownie points. But you always forget that I'm like Babe Ruth. Like, I'll swing at anything. And then later on, we're like, oh, yeah, you did call that twist that she was a ghost hooker the whole time. <laughs> like, within 10 minutes. But there's a lot of other things that I've said that didn't pan out. So That's true. That's true. We only remember the times that, that you did. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, don't you have a... Don't you feel like it kills a movie sometimes when you guess a twist and you're wrong, but then the entire film becomes about your theory? Yes. And so then you're like, oh, crap, I need to rewatch that, but normally now. That's why I don't actually listen to Matt's theories, uh, exactly. which is why when he was right about Ghost Hooker, I was shocked because <laughs> I just thought, no way you were making weird stuff up. No, it was the the other actors were not looking at her. It was yeah, yeah, a yeah. straight up sixth sense. I could tell. One day we'll actually talk about that movie on the podcast. Yeah, we. <laughs> it's a good movie. But I I I certainly don't think that uh, a film's quality can be judged by whether or not you you figure out the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's pretty unfair to the film. But, the but I am curious, Sujin, uh, when you first saw it, uh, did did you see that twist coming? Not at all. I didn't see it from either way. And I pride myself on guessing this stuff pretty well, like Mark, but no idea. But also, it's interesting because there are some aspects, without giving too much away, that you can predict. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the way it all goes down, I don't think anyone would have saw, seen that coming, that it went to such lengths of, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so which so there's going to be shock value for anyone, which was great. And it has that favorite, or it has one of my favorite elements in uh, in, in crime films like this, where things just get kind of out of hand because you know because of assumptions you know it, it, it just kind of it continues to to escalate mm-hmm. um i always i always love that especially when crime and violence gets kind of uh messy and amateurish you know like it just kind of all falls apart i think that's partly because there's a certain element of of realism there for me yeah. Uh, you know, like it's not these these criminal masterminds. It's actually just the, these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, of course, Dimple Capadia's character cannot or can't pull this off. Like, of course, it's going to get away from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think just to your point about what you were saying about the characters, despite a really short runtime, I thought it was, it was a fantastic job of really establishing its characters. And I think that's the biggest strength of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these three, four oddballs who are again very relatable but very quirky it does a lot for the comedy and and yeah i think that's what stayed with me longest about from the end mm-hmm. sequence where i was like those are some really great you know funny like just off the rails characters mm-hmm. um yeah and you had to do that at one time with it was great yeah um well worth seeking out if you're a fan of uh black humor i think and saif ali khan who i continue to think is one of the best actors in in bollywood you know, hum shackles aside. <laughs> Definitely in the top four cons. <laughs> you're uh, you're really in the minority there. I mean, I, I know, I, I know. <laughs> For me, I think he does best when he does something really offbeat and different. Mm-hmm. Being Cyrus is a great example. I think it's one of his best performances. Uh, even Kalakandi, the film that just came out, even uh, Go Go Are Gone, if you guys have seen that, mm-hmm. when he really goes off the rails and does something completely different. Um, that's when I think he's really in this element, obviously ignoring the stuff he did sort of pre-2010 mm-hmm. where he did some great stuff as well. I um, think for me, it's partly because I saw Omkara pretty yeah, early on and he's yeah. he's one of the best Iagos I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, And he's fantastic in the race movies. I don't care what <laughs> anyone thinks. <laughs> the race movies are excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he's very self-aware in race. Like yes. he knows he's in yeah. a ridiculous movie and he owns yeah. it. Yeah, he's just um, having a good time, and you have a good time with him. 100%. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in Sacred Games, because, you know, there, there's so much talent mm-hmm. uh, in that series that, you know, I just, man, it's got to be good. Yeah, I wish I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll be able to, but I would like to read the book before that comes out, but it's long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's a lot hinging on it, because he's really not doing too well now in terms of yeah. how the industry sees him. Mm-hmm. After a sort of chef or whatever else, he's, yeah. I mean, I, I I really hope it works because we all want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we move on to Delhi Belly, Matt? Sure. So uh, next up, we're talking about Delhi Belly, which came out in 2011, uh, directed by Abhinay Dio and starring Imran Khan, Kunal Roy Kapoor, Veer Das, Porna Jagnathan, and Shanaz Trezuwala. Um, it was nominated for seven Filmfare Awards and won for Best Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Production Design. Mm. So Imran Khan stars as a 
journalist, and I was wondering how... What level do you think this guy is? Because he lives in a garbage apartment, and he has these two roommates. Like, I think he's working for kind of a sleazy gossip rag, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. But also, he's obviously from a very well-off family. So yeah. maybe it's just a boys will be boys, let's live in a dump kind of frat house situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's there with his two buddies. So Kunal Kapoor is a uh, photographer who lives with him, and he possibly even more sleazier, has a uh, blackmail business going on the side where he goes to uh, a, uh, brothel. Um, a brothel and then photographs people, including their landlord, who he wants to get one over on. And uh, Veer Das seems to have like kind of the most like just regular guy job in that he's an animator. Um, my, he's a graphic designer. Yeah, my favorite scene in the whole movie is when his boss is telling him <laughs> that like the banana needs to be about what like ten percent happier, and then happier, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then then the banana was too happy. I wanted to see that ten percent happier banana. We don't actually get to see it. Um, I really want to show the clips of some of that to some of uh, my friends who are graphic designers. I think they'll get a kick out of it. Yeah, and then they, how he takes a picture of his boss, like, uh, how happy did you want that banana to be? Okay, I'll, I'll take that. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a designer who is also uh, a fan of, I'm guessing, 80s films, right? Like, he's got this Revenge of Disco Fighter uh, picture on his uh, wall, and he's into this uh, this character from the 80s. And I he, assumed it was supposed to be like a spoof of Disco Dancer. Yeah. That's, so like, yeah, literally what it was. Yeah. yeah, late 70s, early 80s, kind of, that's the sort of films he's into. He tries to go see that movie, which is being played at a theater in town with his girlfriend, who actually dumps him and is marrying a Canadian. So um, <laughs> Canadians do not come off well in this movie. <laughs> no, no, they definitely don't. Sorry? I thought you guys were supposed to be the nicest on the planet. So yeah, that I think so, a, yeah. yeah. No. I, I will say I, I've met guys like that, so... Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so the the plot kicks into high gear when Imran Khan's uh, girlfriend, who is doing a favor for her friend, yeah. So she picks up a matryoshka doll at the airport, um, picked up from a guy who's just transporting it, and this is full of diamonds. But no one realizes this until about the first half an hour that this was a you know a deal that went down poorly. Because it accidentally gets mixed up with uh, Kunal Roy Kapoor's stool sample, <laughs> which the, uh, the the gangster who's looking for those diamonds is not particularly pleased about receiving. So uh, the film follows uh, Khan, Kapoor, and Das as they get into more and more trouble with the uh, cops, the gangsters, um, a new uh, a new woman that is working for the news agency. And they're running around trying, trying to not get killed. And then also, once they realize that there's money in the line, they want to try and get some of that money. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely in the mold of a uh, early Guy Ritchie film. And yeah, pretty good time, I thought. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting cast. Uh, Veer Das is a stand-up comedian. He has a special on Netflix. It's hilarious. Purna Jagnathan uh, is probably most famous for her performance in HBO's The Night, Night of. of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's an American. She's Indian. She's ethnically Indian, but she's an American actress. And Shanaz Trejiwala, she was recently in The Big Sick. She is uh, uh, Kamil Nanjani's uh, sister-in-law. And she's mm-hmm. hilarious in that. She's hilarious here, too. I, I really like how she kind of comes into the movie and you think that she's kind of just like this almost kind of rich valley girl type. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she, she kind of is in the movie, but she's really funny. <laughs> yeah, her interactions with the gangster on the phone are just like, what? You calling me? No. Um, this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Suchin, you suggested this film. You really wanted to, to talk about it. Why? Uh, purely because I think if, if you talk about Bollywood and comedy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of titles that really jump to mind. And this is easily in the top sort of two, three, where it, I think it's one of the most sort of fast breaking uh, that literally came out of nowhere. No one expected anything from it, didn't know what it was. It blew minds, like just for all the reasons you were talking about. It's, we don't make films like this. We're too scared. You have the sense of board, but it literally was a, a balls to the wall. You know, just a great time. That, uh, and then, and there's been nothing since, mm-hmm. um, which, which is very sad. There's been a few attempts, but um, so I think if you want to talk about like a cult following, if you want to talk about an iconic film, this is one of the best comedies uh, of, the, of the last decade easily. Um, and yeah, it just proves that what we, if you put aside all the issues and restrictions and politics and everything, this is what we can do. And and I think it it still holds so well to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just a crazy time. I remember Virdas in an interview talking about um, 
how when they were on set, there was this energy of, we know what we're doing. This is a once in a lifetime thing. We're never going to be allowed to do it again. We know that we're, we're onto something just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so just give it, give it, give it our all pretty much. Yeah. I really liked, well, I was shocked actually by some of the content of the film. That kind of lingers scene. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I mean, I've seen some edgy stuff in, in Indian cinema and I've seen, you know, all the, or most of the films from Q, but I still wasn't expecting like that kind of lingus scene in, you know, a movie produced by Amir Khan. Yeah. And uh, Virdas in a sort of fantasy sequence when he's dressed up as a disco fighter, um, he's, he's rushing the wedding of the girl who just dumped him. And she's, and he says, uh, um, she has done an oral sex on me, and as I'm a gentleman, I've done one on her as well, <laughs> which I think that was before with uh, uh, Imran, so it's like, damn, okay, they went there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say it's exactly that, and, and to your point about sort of being edgy, every single thing you're talking about probably made headlines. I remember the uh, the kind of lingus thing, that was a big thing, that made headlines. There's a song, the DK Bo song, you know, that was very suggestive, that made headlines. But they still pushed it. And I, I mean, without Amir Khan, I don't think it would have come out. And, and to your point about Q, yes, he's edgy, but no one's ever seen his films exactly. from a mainstream perspective. Yeah. This is your out-and-out mainstream comedy. Yeah. And that's why it was such a such a riot. Um, and it's a great, great movie. Mm-hmm. I all think so. I really like the cast. Um, I feel bad for Imran Khan. I think um, I think Ayushman Krana in the past two years has stole <laughs> his job, basically, of being like a relatable everyman who's kind of cool. Yeah, Karana just swooped in and stole it. That's him now. And Khan, I mean, we've seen him in a couple things, but... Uh, the last thing I can really remember seeing him in was Caddy Batty, which... That was the last one he did. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> it was but not a good one. It, yeah, it has... The twist in that film, Matt, is like my least favorite thing ever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, I don't recommend it, so... But there's I don't only... think you can really call it a twist. It was, <laughs> it was just, uh, okay, fine. Yeah. If you want to do that, do that. But yeah, he's he's really good in this. He's a relatable kind of smart ass guy that you want to see succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, his relationship with uh, the new journalist is kind of fun, and his relationship with his uh, girlfriend is also fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like the intertextuality here with that disco fighter thing. With um, uh, it starts off with a '70s Bollywood song um, that is actually on one of our Bollywood disco compilations, so that was cool. And it's it's kind of got that um, I'm gonna say Jackie Brown ish use of older films mm-hmm. in a newer crime narrative for a fun way. Um, so there's definitely a lot of influences here, but it adds up to a like just a very good movie. And I was surprised by the level of violence and also kind of the the cartoon nature of it. Like there's a point where uh, Kunal Roy Kapoor, who is having stomach problems over the course of the whole film and having to go to the bathroom every now and then, um, when he knocks himself out <laughs> with the toilet tank, <laughs> you know, that that just kind of comes out of nowhere and that's fun. And then his relationship with the uh, the landlord is fun. So yeah. I love the landlord. Yeah. I love that subplot. He's adorable. <laughs> and I think like that subplot really shows kind of the heart at the center of the film. Mm-hmm. I, I was legitimately surprised how much I liked this movie just because I don't have a huge tolerance for crude comedies. And there's a fair amount of crude content here, like you see poop. Yeah. Um, and I, I typically don't like that sort of thing. But I think it's just so well written mm-hmm. that it it justifies the use of all that crude stuff. I don't feel like it was crude comedy for crude comedy's sake. No. And it, you learn yeah, a valuable lesson about eating street chicken, too. So. <laughs> it puts you off orange juice for a lifetime. But oh, um, yeah. no, I think that's a really great point. Even I'm not the biggest fan of, sort of that school of comedy, but there was something about this movie. It has this energy where I imagine if I read that screenplay, I would be on the floor. And even now, just talking about specific scenes, makes you crack up mm-hmm. which which is which is very hard to do um and, and like you said that cast was, was phenomenal i think um uh i mean I, I have a big imran khan you know fascination i think he's he's great i don't disagree with people who think who say he's not the best actor but he has this presence that's so sort of uh, whether it's relatable or just mm-hmm. so pleasantly watchable and mm-hmm. i really miss him from from the big screen uh you have obviously Veer das one of the biggest comedic talents kunal roy kapoor which i think was very very underrated Vijay Raz, who's the um, who's the gangster, mm. who's I think one of our best both actors and comedic uh, actors as well. Um, so it, yeah, it's just one of those things that it's just everything fell into place so well. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like we're only just discovering Imran Khan, partly because a lot of the stuff that he's done within the past couple years, kind of when we started um, getting really into Bollywood and, and, and following it and watching all the new releases, that stuff hasn't been as good. But when you go back into his back catalog, I've been really impressed. Yeah, Mayor Brother, Brother Key Dilhan. That was it. pretty good. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see more from him, but uh, yeah, we're going to have to go back in the vaults, I think, to find the good stuff. Mm-hmm. If he was only around for, I'd say exactly 10 years. I mean, I don't want to say he's never coming back. I really hope he does. But I think Johnny Tu, yeah, Johnny now, his, his uh, debut was 2006, I believe. And then his last one, 2015. So literally, it's whatever he did in those nine years, which mm-hmm. was a mix of silly, a lot of average stuff, and a lot of really great stuff as well. Um, so as, as with anyone. Has anyone um, tried to pitch him as like an action hero, though? Because that doesn't seem like his thing. And that's, yeah, no, not at all. And that's so a lot of leading man roles as action heroes. So if he's not doing that, then he's kind of cut out. So he actually, uh, this sounds funny, he, he, he made his debut alongside Ranbir Kapoor. And so there was a lot of comparisons at that time. And Ranbir, I remember these interviews where he was obviously positioning himself where he is the movie because he can carry them. You know, mm. I am the movie. I'm everything about it. And Imran Khan very openly said, I'm not interested in doing that kind of stuff. I need everything around me to work. I need mm. to be a small part of something better, which which I respect him for saying. Mm-hmm. So that's so he definitely has his limitations. But when he gets it right, he's just such a sweet face to watch. Um, and, and it works. Uh, he did do one action film uh, called Kidnap. That was his second film. That's horrible. Um, so I think... <laughs> So I think even he knows that's not his territory. So he stuck to his sort of safe rom-com space for the most part, Delhi Belly being a big exception. Interestingly, they offered this role to Rambir Kapoor. Oh, he, that would be a much different film. He turned it down. And I think it would be a really different film. And it's not a film I'm... I really like Imran Khan here. So I'm not super interested in seeing Rambir Kapoor in this role. But I would like to see Rambir Kapoor do something like this. Because I think he's best as a comedian and I don't really know what's going on with his career lately. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been good in the Veer Das role too. I always he always portrays himself as this artist type in most of his movies. So it'd be fun to see him actually like as a working artist who has a job and has to like do things for other people. Like I, I would just like to see him have to draw the banana too. Yeah. <laughs> I think with Ranbir you can um you can pretty much predict the kinds of movies he will do because, like I said, he has to be the movie. Mm-hmm. And I, he does have the time to pull it off. So, yeah. for example, he's doing the Sanjay Dutt biopic. That makes sense because he is the poster. He's the main man. He's the driving force of the film. Anything less than that, it would be weird. I think he did Rajneeti, which was more of an ensemble film. But he was still the main man. Um, and, and to your point about Ayushman Kurana, putting aside who's the more talented actor, I think Ayushman, he's got that um, small down thing going for him where he can he can do those roles as well, whereas Imran Khan, you can tell, you can see why he was slotted into the Dharma, like, rom-com space, mm-hmm. because he probably, but he he did do a Vishal Bhadwaj film, where he was very much in that sort of milieu, so hmm. maybe you're right, but I just hope he comes back. Yeah, yeah. me too. Karana always have, there's a bit of a undertone of menace with him, especially in Barely Keep Arfi, he's such an asshole in that movie. Yeah. Um, that I and he's also kind of big too, right? Like he's a bit bulkier, so I I I don't feel as comfortable with him. Karana mm-hmm. makes very brave choices, like for example, Vicky Dona, where sperm donation. Like, are you, are you joking? India, no. Yeah. Um, that is the only movie, the only Bollywood film I am aware of that is a remake of a Canadian movie. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I've heard this actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's based on one called Starbuck, and there's also an American version called Delivery Man, which is yeah. probably a funnier okay. title. <laughs> and there's a French, so the film is in French. It's a Quebecois film, but then there's also like a France French remake of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's been remade a lot. So yeah, Delivery Man is the Vince Vaughn one, right? Yeah, yeah it's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the no, Quebecois so... film is very good, and I'd really like to see Vicky Donner. So I think again, just for Indian standards. Uh, I mean, it was just shocking, and it was another massive fast-breaking comedy. Mm-hmm. After that, he did again. Barely Ki Barfi. It's it's very clear he's an asshole. So mm-hmm. it's um, so not he does roles that no other actor would have taken. Like even Damlega Kehaisha, which was great. Uh, he played someone who just lives to fat shame his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and most recently, Shubhanga Savda and you know erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But, you know that's just something that it goes against the Bollywood rules. You don't do that. You're a leading hero. People should aspire to be you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's working for him and he's owning it. So, so good, good for him. Mm-hmm. So getting back to Delhi Belly, I really feel like this film could have huge crossover appeal. Yeah. Like, I don't see why this wasn't just shown in North American cinemas just as, 
Like, you could easily just say, yeah, here's a new one. If there was a distributor mm-hmm. who was willing to pick it up, they could have just put it out normally. There are portions of it are, that are in Hindi. I know it's, it's predominantly English, but there is, if I remember, I mean, there are sort of, there is that aspect as well. Um, but, but I remember when it was released, it was sort of, there was a Hindi version. There was, you know, it was dubbed in a lot of languages. Hmm. Um, so I think they do relatively well when it's released because, you know, everyone was, everyone was talking about it at the time. Why do you think it is that we haven't seen more films in this vein? Because you were saying, like, we just have, kind of have this one. And it was very successful, but no one else has kind of tried to do something in this style that pushes the boundaries. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe no one wants to push the buttons anymore. So I think it's just that it literally is what sometimes you just get a film which slips through the cracks and you have no idea how it got made. You're just glad it did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what So it's obviously, I think censorship wise, things were slightly easier back then. So there is that. But it's one of those things I imagine a lot of producers were like, wow, that's a great film. Not even going to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, even Kala Kandi that just came out, even that had issues, uh, but it managed to get released. Um, so it really is that sort of fear of, and I, again, I do not know what it is about comedy, but you know, if we did an entire episode just on that, there's not that many in, in the last decade. You could probably count them on your fingertips. There's stuff that's really worth discussing mm-hmm. um, because comedy again, becomes a humshuckle. It becomes a houseful, they, they veer towards that, but, or they'll just merge it into like a like a rom-com kind of space. So I don't know. And and we have such a rich heritage of comedy as well in India. Mm-hmm. So it's really not doing well as a genre right now. But I think it's just people are scared to push the envelope. Um, they really just want to be what do what's safe. Uh, so I'm assuming that that has to be why no one tried to even come close to that again. I think you can look at uh, the problems with Uta Pujab and uh, Padmavad to say, mm-hmm. see, that's what happens when you... Uh, tried to do something out of the ordinary you get uh you're, you're stuck in the courts you're having riots all kinds of crazy stuff maybe stay in your lane i don't know it's it, it, it must be very disconcerting for artists i think potentially though that streaming platforms like amazon and netflix who are starting pr- to produce original indian content could look to this film and potentially do something in this vein because they i mean netflix did release brahman naman speaking mm-hmm. of q again yeah. Um, which also like has some stuff that you're not used to seeing in, in Indian films. And is in English. And is in English and is very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that there there's some opportunities there. Um, and I, I would hope that kind of some of this stuff coming down the pipeline um, might, you know, might, might try and, and reach for, for a deli belly. Can you explain Johnny I, Lever? We did mention this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that guy? All right, Matt, completely so, switching gears. I know. Explain Johnny Lever. So uh, apart from, you know, he's a national treasure. No, um, <laughs> the way I see it, the more the more specific something is, the more loved it is, the more it can be hated. And that applies to anything in the movie. So obviously he's he, he's just he's just this comedic legend. You know, he's so known for like his, his, his style and his improvisation. And uh, obviously, you know, in India, he's, he's such a big deal. But... I mean, the, just the more quirky or whatever word you want to use something is, the more someone can completely not get it. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't, I'm, it doesn't surprise me. And, and as you said, you know, there's so much of Indian comedy so rooted in, you know, just the puns and certain kinds of characters and stereotypes and things that, you know, if, if I wasn't familiar with them, then I, even I would be very confused. So I wish I had a better explanation if not. Um, oh, but you, yeah. You could definitely tell when they're vamping on something. I'm thinking of uh, Jidwa too. There's like five minutes where they're just talking about like fish and then something rhyming with fish and like, okay, you're, there's some jokes there. Just, I have no idea what you're talking about, yeah. but you're having a good time. Seems and, like. and to be clear, we don't hate him. Yeah. We just, we just feel left up with the joke. We're just like, yeah. Oh, and it. We got to see that original Johnny Lever <laughs> just to see like what it was that made the country love him. So I think I think Jidwa too. It just it speaks to a very specific kind of masala mainstream comedy that Indian people like. It, it it's basically the Road Shetty, David Thavan stuff, mm-hmm. which people love, and they really like that specific kind of comedy. It it's not just it has to be funny. It's, it's that kind of silly space that really works for people. Yeah. Um. I love Jidwa too, which I was very surprised at. <laughs> like. We liked Jed Watu as yeah. well. Yeah. Jed Watu actually worked for us. I think we just liked the first one better because we watched it like right before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing just as a run-up. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think people just have this connection to that school of movies. But mm-hmm. it's very difficult to make something like that today that isn't just dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know how it managed it, but, you know, respect to them. Yeah, I like Johnny Walker better than Johnny Lieber. <laughs> Another legend. Yeah. 
All right. Are we winding down then? Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about either of these two films? Uh, or the state no. of comedy in Bollywood, which mm-hmm. I feel like we've had a lot of. Thank you so much. Yes, thanks. Uh, no, I can complain about it all day, but no, I think, <laughs> I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, I hope next time we get to talk about something great, some amazing comedy film that we all loved. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would but, yeah. be down for that. Um, so where can people find you online if they want to hear more of your uh, critical opinions? Or read uh, your critical opinions. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, I write for MagicalBollywood.com, which is my website, um, or on Twitter, I'm at, uh, at Sitchin545, where, uh, yeah, I just post everything there. So if anyone wants any highly opinionated movie views, that's where it is. Great. Perfect. Sujin, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day to, to talk with us. Uh, your insight is, is very worthwhile, and we look forward to many more discussions about the state of Bollywood with you. Uh, and everyone should go check out your website because your writing is very good. And I always appreciate your takes on, on films because I think you have a very unique perspective. And like you said, you're, you're honest. You don't go with uh, the grain for the sake of, you know, going with the grain, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really appreciate that. This, this was a lot of fun and I, I live to talk movies. So, yeah, it definitely made my day. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode and we will be discussing films starring Rani Mukherjee. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while and she has a new film coming out, Hitchkey. So the, the time is right. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can find us on Twitter at BollywoodPod. You can find me there, too. I'm at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S. I'm at Erin Fraser, E-R-N-E-F-R-A-S-E-R. You can also find us on Tumblr, BollywoodIsForLovers.tumblr.com. And you can also find the show on Audioboom, Stitcher, all kinds of different platforms. Selected episodes are also played on G Radio. We also have a Facebook page. It's Bollywood is for Lovers. And if you like the show, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps new people find the show. It lets us know that you're enjoying it. Also, while you're over at iTunes, you can check out my other show that I do weekly with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art and the Movies. What are you doing on the next episode of uh, Tatum? The next episode, uh, we're discussing uh, car racing movies. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, Le Mans and Talladega Nights, The Legend of Ricky Bobby. I think I suggested Le Mans, so yeah. I think you did, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Well, thanks again to Suchin for coming on the show. He was an excellent guest, and I'm sure you all enjoyed uh, listening to him. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks, so see you later. <laughs>